want you to look at Mark 11. Go to verse 15. And this was a situation that took place with Jesus. Thank you, Greg, so much. This is a situation, and some of you have heard about this. Some of you that don't know much of the Bible have even heard people, like, mention this part of Scripture at different times in their life or seen a meme on it or seen something on Facebook on it or something. And this is a situation. So it's about a week before Jesus was crucified and went to the cross and gave his life for all of us in this room. And this is what happened. And they came to Jerusalem, and he, talking about Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out all those who sold. So they were having a big sale in the, t- in, in the sanctuary. And Jesus came in and gets upset, and some of you have heard about this. And he begins to drive them out who were selling things, things in the sanctuary. And I'll just tell you, we, we have become a church of merchandising the gospel. And we need to quit merchandising the gospel. Jesus doesn't need any help. The gospel doesn't need for me to sell it. I ain't selling nothing. I'm giving it. So Jesus walks in, and they are like set up selling stuff, doves, birds, in the sanctuary. And he, he said, get out of here. And those who bought in the temple, folks were in there buying like a flea market. And what did he do? He overturned the tables. Say overturned the tables. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He said, I don't care if you just bought that, put it down. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is not, it, is, it, it actually be, it should say, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer let me just say, I love the last portion for Daystar because it's really for all nations. And I'm so thankful that this house, I look out and this, this sanctuary looks like heaven. Red, yellow, black, and white. Because I'm going to tell you, if you can't love each other here, well, don't worry, you're not going there. Because First John says that. And actually, if you hate each other, you're actually as bad as a murderer, First John says. Come on. So I'm thankful that this house looks like a house of all nations. And that word nations is the word ethnos. And guess what word comes from that? Ethnic groups, ethnicities. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers, thieves. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were religious. They didn't have relationship with God. They heard it and were seeking a way to destroy Jesus. Because how many of those religious folk love to go to church but not hear the truth? Mic drop, come on. Religious people like their ears tickled for an hour, hour and a half, and be told how they're, they're, they're good and quote scriptures about how they can do all things through Christ, yet they live in sin. And actually, woe be to those preachers that preach such a message that comforts those living in ungodliness instead of preaching out of love, righteousness. Hey, if you're walking off the cliff, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to go, hey, you're doing all right. (laughs) Oops, oopsie. No, if I love you as a pastor, I'm going to lovingly not beat you, but I'm going to tell you the truth, just like I do my kids, because I love them, right? And the scribes got mad at him, and they wanted to kill him. And we know a week later they did. For they feared him. They feared the truth being exposed in their hypocrisy. 
because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Why were they astonished at Jesus' teaching? They weren't upset that he went over and turned over tables. Like some of these church conferences tell you, don't you dare get up and turn over tables because everybody will leave the church. Well, you know what? I'm not preaching for y'all. I know that sounds, I'm preaching for him, and I need to obey him, whether we have 10 folk left or not. Come on, amen. But I love the truth. Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not. In other words, once you get the truth, don't, don't, be, don't be selling out. Don't be compromising. That's right, Makandi. And when evening came, they went out of the city. So Jesus walks in to, let's just put it modern day. He walks into the church. And there's a bunch of people selling birds, pigeons, doves. And it upsets him. And he goes, wait a minute. This is not what I intended my house to be. And we're talking before Jesus died and rose again. So we know Jesus in the Old Covenant, he's not living in relationship with everybody. People in the Old Testament served God out of their heart by believing. But we know New Testament, once Jesus died and he rose again, he now comes to dwell inside of us. So he's talking about this temple. But he's also talking about this temple. And he says, what is going on up in here? I mean, and he goes to turn over tables. He gets angry and drives them out. And he makes the statement, hey, you guys have got it all wrong. My house, my house, my house, how many belongs to the Lord, is a house of prayer. It's not meant for anything else but to be a house of prayer. I want to make a challenge, and I wrote it in my notes. Here's my challenge for every person, including myself, and I've already, I've already taken this challenge and are about a month ahead of y'all. Because if I'm going to lead you, i got to be there first. Okay? And here's the challenge for the beginning of 2020 that will happen in about three days. And you'll see it on the screen. We must allow Jesus to overturn ungodly tables in our temple, in our life. My challenge to you is let Jesus turn some tables over. Can I get an amen? ungodly tables, tables that are in your life that shouldn't be there. The way he walked in the temple and said, wait a minute, this is not why you why my temple was created. I believe that God is looking at the church right now, and I'm telling you, there's a separation coming between the sheeps and the goats, the real church and the fake church, because there is a fake church. And just because it has a lot of people doesn't mean God's there. My challenge to you and to Scott and my family, and Christy already and I already went there, is say, God, overturn anything in my life that's not like you. Can I get a witness? I'm not waiting till midnight on Tuesday night. I'm not waiting till Wednesday. I'm saying, God, before we even start the prayer and fasting, the 21 days that start on the 7th, before we even go to houses of prayer this Friday night, God, go ahead and clean me out. The psalmist said, write it down in Psalm 139, look and search me, O God. See if there be anything inside of me and what? Get it out of me. I don't care what it is. And sometimes some of us deal with our daddy's devils. Some of us have the, the devils that our dad have because it's not because he was a bad man, but he didn't give, wasn't given the opportunity to hear the gospel at your age and to be able to overturn those tables at a young age. And the longer you keep the tables up in your temple the tougher it gets to allow Jesus to turn them over. Turn and tell somebody, turn the tables over. Let God turn them over. 
in your life. Let them be removed. Again, Jesus was upset because, I mean, could you imagine walking into a place of what you created something to be and somebody made it into something else? You, you go, wait a minute, y'all got it all wrong. This is not why this temple was created. It wasn't created to sell pigeons and y'all make some money. It wasn't created for merchandising things. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I want you to notice big time, he didn't say a house of praise and worship. He did not say a house of praise and worship for all my praise and worshipers, which should be everybody. He didn't say make my house a house of praise and worship. And we have almost done that. Have you heard about the new praise and worship album? Have y'all heard about it? So-and-so's new album? Go to YouTube. Have you heard this new? He didn't say make my house a house of preaching the word. Have y'all heard the new Stephen Furtick message? Have you heard the new Scott Chatsline message? No, we're too busy talking about everything but what's important. He didn't say make my house a house of preaching the word. He didn't say make it this, make it that, a house of, of socializing. He didn't say make it a house of community. He said, number one, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So we say, God, turn over the ungodly tables in our life. Come on, talk to me. If y'all talk to me, we'll get out on time. Who would join me in saying, God, turn over the ungodly tables in my life. And I'm not going to get upset. Don't get upset when he tells you you ought not be with that person. Because that person doesn't want Jesus and you're wanting Jesus. And that will tell you they were not created for you to marry them. And don't be some missionary dater. Well, I'm going to date him and I'm going to win him to Jesus. Don't be a missionary dater. Come on, somebody. No, you need to listen. It's time to clean house before we go into 2020 so that you can have a right focus and right vision of all that God wants to do in your life. So how many would say, God, turn over every ungodly table in my life? Say, I give you permission. And you'd go, well, he doesn't have to have permission. He really does. Now, he will do what he wants, but he won't do if you don't want him. If you don't want deliverance from pornography, if you don't want deliverance from certain addictions, if you don't want deliverance from your anger and situations going on in your life, he won't do it. But if you say, do it, Lord, I'm not carrying this into 2020. Make me a house of prayer. Somebody say, make me a house of prayer. In Joel chapter 2, there was a prophecy about the church in the last days, about what I believe today will look like, because I believe we're living in the last days. Now, I'm not some doomsday preacher and get off on the deep end the way some folks do and make God look crazy in a certain way, and that's what messes a lot of people up believing God's word, but I believe we're living in the last days. Scott, what do you mean? Matthew 24, if you'll write that down, go check it out. Matthew 24, it's literally like you're reading the newspaper for today. And you go read Matthew 24, you'll be like, oh, my God. That's like everything that's happened even in the last 20 or 30 years. And it will tell you that we're living there. Even when it says the gospel will be preached, I just heard that in the next five years, the, the Bible will be translated into every known language. In the next five years that the gospel will be preached even to the darkest of the darkest of the darkest of places in the world. And the Bible says when that happens, he's coming. So I believe Joel 2 is then quoted in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes. 
the same passage. And check it out. I believe I gave it to you guys. Acts chapter 2, is that right? And in the last days, okay, I believe he's talking about right now, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, time out for some people that aren't churchy, that don't know what that means. That means that in the last days, God is going to come, and let me use an old-fashioned word that's a now-fashioned word. God is about to pour out his presence and his spirit and a move of God upon Alabama like we have never seen. That's what that means. On all flesh, what does that mean? On everybody. Okay, everybody. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. That's already happening. Somebody even called me or texted me this morning about a vision or a dream that they had. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in the heavens and above, wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes in the great and magnificent day. Sounds pretty like a Stephen King movie type thing. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. This is why be careful before you condemn somebody to hell. And for you that have had a loved one that wasn't living right, I believe all person has to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Even if they're laying in the middle of the road after an accident, say, Jesus, forgive me. You are Lord. Boom. Because the gospel isn't fair. <laughs> Whether somebody served the Lord their whole life or somebody on their hospital bed cries out to Jesus. And I just heard about somebody that passed away Christmas Eve night that did this. And I believe I told that person uh, they're in heaven. Come on, Amen. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, when you read the Bible, check this out, a little bit of teaching. When you read the Bible, you need to differentiate between whether it's a promise or a fact. A lot of times you always hear every scripture quoted as a promise. Every scripture is not a promise when it's spoken. A promise is determined by faith. But there are things that God says that no matter whether you have faith or not, it's coming. Like, it isn't dependent on you. God don't need your approval because of his sovereignty, because of who he is. That when God says, this scripture in Acts 2 is not a promise. I promise that I'm going to pour out my spirit upon your sons and daughters. And pour out. No, this is going to happen whether you're a part of it or not. It is, somebody say it's a fact. This scripture is a fact that in the last days before the coming of the Lord, there is going to be the biggest move of God in Tuscaloosa we have ever seen. And not religion, not church, but Jesus is coming into this place and into this city for lives to be changed through the good news of Jesus. Can I get a big amen? It's going to happen. And I need to decide how can I be a part of this. I feel led to say something strong. Can I say it? There comes a time to quit playing around like a child. The Bible actually says, put away childish things. Right now, as a pastor, I deal with people in their 40s and 50s that act like 12-year-olds. There comes a time where you quit being a child. In the sense of immaturity, even Christians. And there comes a time where you go, God... I got to stop. I got to put away some stuff I've been doing. 
because it's keeping me from your fullness, and it's also confusing me. I thought about this week. I can't, I can't hang here, but I, I, it just came into my mind. I thought about this week, and this is a strong word. How many of us are facing, like, demonic spirits and warfare in our life because we're continually walking in sin? Some of y'all are like, man, why is my life so messed up? It's like I go to church and yada, 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 and it seems like everything bad happens. It feels like uh, um, it, what is wrong with me? Is there a curse on me? What is going on? Could it be you've opened doors that you haven't closed? And there are demonic spirits in your house and around you and operating around you to drive all kind of confusion, confusion and all kinds of things and drama all around you, and somebody needs to close the door, turn the tables over. Is that, is that all right? Okay, I'll take that from me if that ain't for you. There comes a time to quit blaming other things on your warfare. There comes a time to quit even blaming the devil. And it's because we're walking in disobedience and we're not a house of prayer. We're a house of something else. Come on now, help me. I believe that we're living in this time in the last days. What, what will the church how will we know that Jesus is coming back? What will the church be doing? So again, here's some teaching. Ephesians 5, check it on the screen. Write these verses down. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. I wish I could stop and talk to men right now, but men, you are the redeemer of the relationship. That means she can get away with a bunch of junk and you can't. You are Christ, according to this, in your marriage. That means she can act a fool and you can't get rid of her. That means you better marry somebody. <laughs> you better marry the right person. Not because she's fine. Can I get a big amen? Mm. Why? Here's the key, and this is talking about the church. So they might present the church to himself in splendor, a church that has not spot or wrinkle. And the only way you get wrinkles out is put the heat on it. Some of y'all need to let the fire of God burn some wrinkles out of your life. Help me, somebody. I, I Turn and tell somebody, I ain't playing in 2020. I ain't playing in your sandbox. I ain't making a new sandbox. I'm getting in God's sandbox. I'm going to be what God called me today. I'm going to quit and I'm going to put away some of these addictions and some of these things that I've been walking through. And I'm going after Jesus. He says, when I come back, I'm going to present a church without, without spot or wrinkle. And that tells me that, that they might be holy without blemish. That doesn't mean we're going to live a perfect life. But we are under the blood of Jesus and we're walking as believers, and we're not living in intentional sin? This is the church that he's coming back for. And this is why I'm, I need the Holy Spirit to help me live it, or I will act a fool. I need God's help, anybody else. So I don't yell at folk when they pull out in front of me. Mm hmm. I need the Holy Spirit to rule my life and not my flesh. I need God to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Come on, amen. So we can see that God, listen, lean in real quick. If you belong to Daystar, lean in real quick on this. We can clearly see that God is not coming back for a weak church. 
God is not coming back for an anemic church. God is not coming back for a pathetic church. God is not coming back for a powerless church. God is not coming back for a prayerless church. God is coming back for a church that is sanctified unto him, that is going after him, that says, God, we will be a house of prayer. And this is the second challenge you're going to see on the screen here in just a second. If you call Daystar your home church, yeah, in 2020, you're no longer, this sounds harsh, but I ain't playing. I'm going to be a spiritual father in the last days. I'm not a spiritual buddy. A buddy will tell you, oh, it's all right, baby. You need to leave her. There's somebody better for you. He eats the ham sandwich with you at work. If she does, oh, you can do better than that. You just need to leave them. No, a spiritual father will tell you, no, you made a covenant. And the problem is y'all don't have Jesus up in your house. A spiritual father is going to tell you the truth. In 2020, you're no longer allowed to be a spectator. You are called to be an active participator in this church. Can I get a big amen? If you are, have been spectating for years in this house, put away the binoculars and the magnifying glass. Look at your own fruit. Look at your, don't be a fruit inspector. Look at yourself and say, God, I'm going to switch from being some Sunday morning only, SMOs. I'm going to switch from being a Sunday morning only person, and I am going to become an active participator. I'm going to serve in ministry so we can reach the city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to come to prayer meeting. I'm going to come to prayer meeting. I'm going to be a part of the houses of prayer. My heart is so full. What will prepare for the Lord's coming? What will, be, what, will be, what will actually prepare? Well, you have to, you know, Advent, the first coming, second coming. You have to, to answer that question, what will, what will be happening when the Lord's return happens? You have to go back and look at the first coming of the Lord. What was happening for the first coming of the Lord? There's this amazing lady, I don't know if you've ever read about her in Luke chapter 2. And there was a prophetess named Anna. Her name was Anna, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. She was a mighty woman of God. She was advanced in years, so we know she was an older lady, having lived with her husband seven years from when she, she was a virgin, and then a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, from the church, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, and she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. What will be happening in Jesus' second return? There's going to be a whole lot of Annas. There's going to be a whole, what ushers in the coming of the Lord? The church praying. Right, Dalton? The church praying. Not some new worship song. Woo! Not some wonderful sermon that just makes us feel so good because we need to get past feelings. What's going to be happening before the Lord's return is the church is going to begin to initiate prayer. The church is going to get back to the altar. The church is going to grab the horns of the altar and not let go. 
The church is going to learn to pray through, which we don't ever hear that statement anymore. And that means basically I ain't leaving until he answers. Somebody say, make me a house of prayer, Lord. Make me a house of prayer, Lord. Revelation, which we all don't even, many of us don't even want to read the book of Revelation. It's like the last book in the Bible. A lot of us go, whoa, that's weird. That's, wow. No, it's, it's very prophetic and it's important. If you're a new believer, please don't start in the book of Revelation. Start in the Gospel of John. Let's go to John. But in the book of Revelation, it's very prophetic. What does prophetic mean? It means it's telling, it's foretelling what will be happening in the church, in the world. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in the heaven. The Lamb, speaking of Jesus, for about a half an hour, heaven got silent. We know that heaven is never silent. So something is up. Heaven got silent all of a sudden from singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord that goes 24-7. John writes this in this vision. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before the Lord and seven trumpets were given to them. There's so much in this. And another angel came and stood at the altar, which is the golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all, with the, prayers of all the saints. Did you know? Stop. Did you know that your prayer is an incense? Have you ever been in a store somewhere where incense is going up and you're like, oh, your prayer is an aroma. That's why we sing, make our intercession for you a mighty weapon. When we begin to pray, our prayers go up before the Lord like incense. Hallelujah. There's no crossing my fingers, rabbit's foot, lucky charms. Prayer, hoping. No, my prayer is effective. Your prayer is effective according to 1 John 5. And so it tells me that there's going to be the prayers of the, of the saints, people that have loved God and went on to, the Lord, to be with the Lord. Maybe you have a, an aunt, an uncle, a grandmother, grandfather, mom, or dad. Their prayers on the golden altar before the throne, our prayer now, and the smoke of the incense and the prayers, there it is again, of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Our prayers now. Did you know that when we were praying this morning and decreeing with the heart of God, our prayers were rising to heaven? Get an image of that. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashing. God's a bad God. He's not some lily-white lamb. He is a bad dude. He is fire. He is God. The only God. Flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Did I go with verse 6? I don't know if I did or not, Rodney. Is it verse 6 up there? Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to roll them. Okay, it wasn't. You can see that before the coming of the Lord, even now, even today in the service, it wasn't some service filler at church. Let us pray. Yucky, yucky. Our Father. We, why does our voice change when we pray to God? <laughs> Thou almighty God of heaven and earth. But I talk like this, y'all. But when I start praying. Oh, gracious and mighty. I even use words, omnipotent, holy. I, 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 listen, don't get offended at me. I'll talk about it. One of the six things that should be in a prayer meeting is authenticity. 
And when you pray, you shouldn't get up and show me how spiritual you are. Because you're literally praying to people, like the Bible says, and not to God. By using all these big words, and you change your voice. It's kind of like me going home and so, oh, thou great Christy. I love it, thou. She go like, what you do with my husband? God doesn't change your personality when you pray. God wants you to talk just the way you talk. If you got a country accent, use that thing, baby. Because he understands every language. He even understands my heart when I groan. We can see that prayer initiates the coming of the Lord. We see that in the last days, the church will be not singing, not hearing the latest new series. What should the church be doing that we're not doing? And that is, what if God took away everything that he never told us to do? What would the church look like? What would the church look like if he took away all this nonsense that the church is doing that he never told us to do when he told us what I want you to be doing for Tuscaloosa and your family and your co-workers you don't even like is to pray for them. Somebody say, God, make me a house of prayer. Are y'all getting this? Thank you. It's the prayers of the saints. Now let me just say this for some folk that you go, I ain't a saint. You don't even know what I did last night. That word saint, I was talking, I, I, I was ministering the gospel at Starbucks this morning. I love me some Starbucks church. Come on. Something about drinking a Starbucks, you just feel the presence of the Lord. And so there's this guy at Starbucks named Adam. He's now told me he's going to come to church. I've been talking to and he was asking me questions, and I basically preached the gospel to him. He said, what is this about kids getting coal for Christmas? Y'all allow me to take a ramp just for a minute. He said, what is this? Because he's been asking me spiritual questions, but he brings up Santa Claus, brings up coal. And, it, you know, it makes Santa Claus look this way. And, and, I, and we, I think Christy said, well, have you ever gotten coal for Christmas? And, you know, if you're naughty and that kind of thing. And we had a little bit of conversation. Then I said, here's the problem, Adam. The same way that song, you better watch out. You better not pout, but you better watch out. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad. Those are all true, but it, we, I told Adam, I said, we've taken this image of an angry God, like Santa Claus, and we think that God is waiting to beat us up with a big stick for everything that we do wrong. Now, I want to make it clear. God wants you to live holy, but guess what? You can't do it. That's why I'm trying to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. Because he's the only one that can help you. I, you know, Isaiah and I were talking this week about them being tempted before they get married. And Kelsey, don't mind me bringing this up. They're about to get married. And Isaiah's like, Dad, I, I want to live pure. I want to live pure. That I want to live a pure life. You know, because when you love somebody, you want to have sex with them. Oh, it's mighty quiet in health class. It's mighty quiet in health class right now. It's mighty quiet in health class. Y'all want me to put some designs up on the screen and talk about it? Don't be looking at me like that. The problem is we don't talk to our kids like this. And if we don't talk to them, Facebook, YouTube, and everything else, snap, 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 it goes away, is talking to them. And he came to me and said, man, I just want to live pure. I said, Kelsey's coming. I, I, Isaiah just flew in, and he said, Kelsey's coming from Kentucky, and we're going to see each other. We haven't seen each other in a long time. And whoo. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody dating somebody that deals with this? 
A bunch of liars in this house. All right. So because when you love each other, you want to share yourself. Sex is awesome in marriage. Outside of marriage, it will open up all kinds of nasty doors, and you will even break up with a person you were supposed to marry because you wanted relief and not relationship. So y'all better hold it up, tie it up, do whatever you got to do, and put God the center of your life so that when you say I do on that honeymoon night, it will be on like Donkey Kong, but it will be God's way, and it won't open the door to demonic spirits even before you get married. And it goes the same way in every area of our life. If we're opening doors for things that shouldn't be in our life and we're wondering why we're being tormented with depression, with anxiety and fear, and we're blaming it on, I need to go get some pills. No, you need to get your heart right. You don't need another counseling. Stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. I'm going to get back to my message. I'm going to get back to my message. He sees you when you're, <laughs> oh, God loves you. He's not waiting to beat you up. It's like my dad, uh, it's like my heart toward Isaiah. He's a son. I'm like, son, this is what's best for you. This is not best. It will confuse you and Kelsey if y'all have sex. It will cause a lot of trouble, especially when you have sex and you go back to California, she goes to Kentucky, because then you're not together to talk it out. Y'all don't hear me. I've been through some stuff, y'all. Be not ignorant of the devil's devices to destroy your life. Even some of you are guilt, dealing with guilt today before you came to church because of what you did yesterday. And you gave him a weapon to use against you so that you won't receive the word today. And let me just tell you, the devil's a liar. God loves you. I don't care what you did last night. God doesn't care. What matters is right now what you're going to do. Right now, God, forgive me. God, I received the good news. I was created for more. Somebody say, God, make me a house of prayer. Come on. And that means he's living in you. He doesn't want to live in a garbage dump. He wants to live in a heart that wants him, a heart that desires him. Whether you're high school, college, all the way up through marriage. This is the last passage, and I want to introduce you to what we're going to do on Friday nights, and we'll be done. What did Jesus say in the last days? I'm going to paraphrase this. Uh, Luke 18, uh, Rodney, I'm going to paraphrase it. Jesus is telling a parable, a story, kind of like watching a movie. It didn't really happen. And he tells the story about a persistent widow and a judge, a judge. And she's going, and she's begging the judge and begging the judge, and she, what it represents is prayer. He talks about this whole parable is about being persistent in your prayer. How many of us give up after we pray at one time? The scripture is telling us that, hey, keep praying. Even after the first time, you don't see it. After the second time, after the, and then verse 8, I think it is, Rodney. The last verse, is it verse 8 of that passage? Jesus says this at the end of the parable. He comes out of the store and he says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Talking about he will answer the prayer. He's using the parable to relate to God. The judge is God. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? There's a very powerful scripture about prayer saying, when Jesus does come back in the last days, will he even be able to find people praying the prayer of faith? Because I, I told you all, there's an attack on faith 
in our life right now. There's an attack on believing because there's such contested belief now that if you believe something, somebody says, no, this is the truth. And then somebody else over here goes, no, this is the truth. And so every time you even open your mouth and say, I believe something, somebody's got to bring another angle and tell you how you're wrong. So it's hard to hold on to what you believe in the last days. But I want to tell you, hold on. If God told you your son and daughter will be saved, it's a done deal. If God told you your family's going to come to the Lord, it's a done deal. If God told you breakthrough's going to happen for your family, you can bank it because God is not a man. But my thing is, don't give up in your prayer. When I come, not even his return, but when he comes to your prayer closet, will he find faith? Tell somebody, stand in faith. Don't give up. Pray fervently, night and day. That's why when we sing this song at the end here, unceasingly night and day. I love that. You know, that doesn't mean I'm going around, Jesus, Jesus, you know, I'm at work, Jesus, and everybody goes, what in the world? He's a kooky, or you're at work. No, when it says to pray night and day incessantly, that's also an attitude of the heart. Did you know I could be doing anything and praying? I can be in front of people in my heart praying. So that's when it says pray unceasingly. That's what that means. It doesn't mean I'm at work. Glory to God. No, we need you to do what your boss says or you're going to get fired. And then they're going to think you're kooky because all you do is talk about Jesus, but you don't ever get work done. No, let your, let your example first be in your work to your boss. If you're not a good worker at work, don't even be talking about Jesus. Mm, I'm telling the truth of it here now. Come on, amen. That's good teaching. That's good fathering right there. So Friday night starts Houses of Prayer. Who's excited? Yeah, I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to read it to you real quick, and then we're going to pray. But I want to do this. Thank you, because the Holy Spirit put this in my heart, and he just reminded me. Who wants to surrender their life to Jesus this morning? Think about it. I, I know the room's full of people, and we live in a time where social anxiety is at its highest. Like, don't embarrass me. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But I will tell you, if you can't stand up for Jesus at church, you sure enough can't stand for him out there. There is no way at University of Alabama, wherever you go, your workplace, if you can't stand up in here, it's a safe space. And so today, before I even show houses of prayer, I, I, I would be in big trouble with God if I didn't see somebody didn't want to give their life to Jesus. And if that's you, we're going we're gonna to have you sit right where you are, and we're going to all pray together. But if today you would say, man, I feel it, I don't know what it is, something in my heart, everything, Pastor Scott, you've been talking about, I really... I want a relationship with God. I don't want church. I don't want religion. I want a relationship with God. I want him to come in and me be a house of prayer starting today. Lift up your hand. Come on. Yes. 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 Who else? Yes. Yes. Come on, Jesus. Who else? We're going to pray all together. Anybody else? Come on. Somebody says today, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be Lord. Yes. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. It's okay. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Who else? Nobody moving, if you would. Anybody else? Because you know what? We all going to get in the boat. I want everybody in the boat. I've got some dear friends here today that are friends of Isaiah's. I want everybody. I want, I, I want to see God move in Tuscaloosa. And I actually want to sit back and watch y'all lead it. No joke. I don't want the, play, I don't want the stage. I dare y'all to take it. I dare you to take the stage. Because I'd rather be sitting right there 
cheering on the next generation than being up here preaching. And that's where my years are switching, Pop. But we got to teach the next generation. Or there's going to be cobwebs in the church. I already have a message for Mother's Day, and I'm going to give you the title of it right now. Where have all the church mothers gone? That's my, that's my Mother's Day message. I'm already writing it for May. Where have all the church mothers gone? Y'all know what I'm talking about. The church mothers that won't let you play with God, they have a little bit of Aunt Esther from Sanford and Son. I mean, they put a little bit of fear in you. We need to get some godly fear back up in the church. All right, before we pray, before we talk about how's the prayer, anybody else? Say, Pastor Scott, today I'm choosing Jesus. Come on. Who else? Who else? Before we pray, says, today I'm choosing Jesus. Anybody else want to surrender? Come on, lift it up. Anybody else? I see in the back. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Yes. Maybe today, yes, over here. Maybe today you're like, man, I have been dry as I'll get out. I've allowed things in my life. Yes, I'm born again, but... I just, want to, I just want to absolutely give my heart fully back to God today. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? You've had some struggles with addictions and things in your life, and you're like, today, I'm walking away from it. Come on. Come on. Yes, yes. Maybe addiction to pornography. Maybe addiction to drugs. Whatever it is, something that's taking the place of God in your life, it's a counterfeit. Sex. What a- Pastor, who is it? Yes, hands are going up. I, I missed a whole bunch. God bless you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to be not afraid. Like, I, you know what? I don't care what people think. I, I'm starting 2020 out right now. I ain't waiting to Wednesday. I'm starting today. And this is, the, the altar call should never be sad. <laughs> I'm a dirty old rotten thing. No, it's more like, I want the present. I want the gift. Give it to me. If nobody else wants this gift of salvation, I want it. It's free? Are you kidding me? Yes, it's free. Who else says, I want the gift? I want the gift today. Yes, I'm walking away from stuff. Some of y'all need to drop and hang up on your past. And you need to pick up the phone for your future. Who else say, I'm walking away from it today with the help of Jesus? Yeah, God bless you. Maybe it's a man in here and you're I'm not going to have you raise your hand on this, man or woman, but this just came into my heart and I got to do it. Maybe you've been living in adultery. Adultery is real rampant right now. It's happening at DCH day and night. It's happening at BF Goodrich, Mercedes. A lot of times when there's a big company, there's a whole lot of folks sleeping around. Maybe it ran in your family. Your dad slept around or your mom. Oh, we're going to confront devils in 2020. Because I want to let you know you can be free from that. It's not that you don't love your wife. It's a spirit. So if that's you, in your heart, raise your hand right now. Say, God, I'm raising my hand right now. I'm walking away from this relationship. Come on, come on. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. Maybe it's something else you're saying today. I'm walking away from it. I'm having a boy voyage party. See you later. I'm not living here anymore. Today is day one for the rest of my life. Today is day one for the rest of my life. I'm going to write a new story starting today. Anybody else that just wants prayer before we pray? Anybody else? Yeah. Love you, man. I honor you raising your hand. I love it when real men raise their hand. 
I love it, Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's over our prayer, over our men, and over our champions men. I love it when a man goes, yeah, anybody else? Anybody? Any teenagers? Any young people? They said, today, today's my day. Today's my day. Anybody else? Can we pray this together like family? Is that all right? Whether you know it or not, this is church. And this is the way we better start having church in the future and not some normal. Pray this with me. Say, Father. Come on, pray it out loud. Don't be afraid. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Jesus, your son, that you sent for me because you love me. I thank you that he took all my sin, all my sin upon him on the cross, and he died for me. So today, I thank you now that my sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb and that I am forgiven. And Father, I thank you because I'm forgiven, and I thank you that Jesus rose from the grave, and he gave me all power. He gave me his Holy Spirit so that I can walk it out. Whatever age I am, wherever I live, whatever circumstance, wherever I work, I can live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that my past is gone. It's erased. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody shout. Come on. Come on. Come on, seriously. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. This is exciting. So this Friday, we're starting what we call Houses of Prayer. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to get over what's going on in society about social anxiety. And that is, I don't want nobody to talk to me. Everything's through text. Everything's through computer. And it's really a trap of the enemy, what's going on. Because for four Fridays out of five, there's five Fridays in January, we have asked very top leadership in our church, people that I can trust, <laughs> not strangers, to host a house of prayer across all of West Alabama. All the way up in Fayette, I believe, Pastor Andrew, and all the way south, pretty far south. Moundville, do we have any Moundville toward that way? Hillcrest area, I know, right? Um, all the way uh, west and, and even toward Birmingham. And what we've done is we're going to have prayer meeting because I didn't read it to you this morning. I will next week. The, the New Testament church started having prayer meeting in people's homes. It's all in the Word of God. And we got to quit just praying here, although we don't have a lot of that going on right now. We need to. Prayer every Wednesday night. The fast will start next Monday, a week from this Monday. And we'll talk about that next week. But starting uh, January 3rd, this Friday, homes all across West Alabama are going to host a be a house of prayer. And host we have hosts that are picked, people's homes, that are ready for you to come in um, at about 15 till or 10 till 7. starts at 7 o'clock. And, um, and you come in, and you guys are going to have a little bit of praise and worship, probably with about, you know, 10, 15, maybe some house may get a little bit bigger than that with people. And then you're going to pray. You're going to be, you know, it's going to be mentioning, like the first one, we have a devotion, Pastor Andrew, that the host will share for about five minutes. And then we're going to pray. Somebody say we're going to pray. We're not going to talk. We're going to pray. And I don't want you to be scared about that because we're going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to show you how to pray. You'll be able to just spread out in the living room and get on your knees or sit on the couch or wherever. Whatever they make conducive, there'll be coffee and things like that. But we're going to learn how to pray in 2020. We're going to learn how to pray outside of church. 
No, you know, we're going to make you into a mobile upper room. We want you to become a mobile upper room. We want you to become a mobile house of prayer. And so all across West Alabama, you'll find a house out in the foyer. Pastor Andrew will be out there and team after service. And you'll find a house that's near you. Now, Daystar, my peeps that's been with me for a long time, I'm asking you not to go to your best friend's house across the city. I want you to get out of your own way and get out of your comfort zone and trust whatever house is nearest my house, I'm going and God's going to meet me there. Kids are invited. There are homes that are more kid-friendly. There are homes that do not have pets if you're allergic, so you can look for that. Um, but that's what's going to happen. For There's only one Friday night, I believe it's the 17th, that we're going to have a concert here with the Crab family that's going to be fire and Holy Spirit. Awesome. But the other, there's five Fridays in January, four of the five Fridays, you're going to be able to go to those houses of prayer. And I want you to go expecting. You know what I love about this? Some of you have been needing accountability. Some of you work like me, like even in my health journey. I need somebody to kind of stay on me. I need to be accountable to somebody. That's why I'm a health coach because it also keeps me accountable. How can I help somebody else if I ain't doing it? So I love Houses of Prayer because it's going to keep you accountable. And it's giving you a place close to your home that you can go and pray. The prayer meeting is only going to last, I believe, till from 7 to 8, 8.15 maybe. At the end, uh, we're going to pray for people's needs. Like if you're there and you go, hey, I'm really believing for a job. Would you all pray for me? Now, I will say this. I'm praying God breaks out. I don't want some cute footsie prayer meeting. If God wants to, I want God to show up as we host the presence. Because we invite him. He's the invited guest. But when he gets there, we want him to host it. And so four of the five Fridays, that's as easy as it works. You'll find out information in the foyer of which house to go to. Our 21 days of prayer start on, I believe, the 7th. But the house of prayer start this Friday. Find the house. The address is out there. Um, again, these are leaders that it's not going to be weird. And I just say this, we're not going to allow people to take over the prayer meeting. Um, we ask the leaders to lead it. And I'm telling you, I believe God's going to show up. Some of y'all need the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And you need a, your prayer language. And I'm going to believe that God comes in. I'm going to believe that healings happen. I'm going to believe that you're going to bring coworkers, and they're going to get born again. Come on, amen. How many wants the revival to start out there? And then I'm just going to pray this thing spreads after January. I don't know. We're just doing it for January, and we'll just see what happens. And uh, who knows what may happen. Amen. Are you excited about how's the prayer? Would you stand?